Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art, but I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm-to-table dining in Baltimore. At Foraged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see as the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So, fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forge Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Welcome to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, the Rob Lee, the great Rob Lee. Shower me in your adulation. Uh, today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with a designer, illustrator, and author working outside of Washington, D.C. He's had the pleasure of designing and illustrating for a wide variety of entertainment, corporate, and nonprofit clients. Please welcome Jeffrey Everett. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Wonderful to meet you. Wonderful to meet you as well. We just started talking. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That you know that other half an hour of really entertaining stuff is that that never happened. That was all the best stuff right there. That was for us though. That was for us. Okay. All right. So, you know, as we kind of get started here, um, you know, again, thank you for coming on. I want to, you know, peel the onion back a little bit, and uh, I want you to share the 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 Jeffrey Everett story. Ultimately, how'd you get here? Where's the story begin? How long have you been okay. in the, the industry? Let's let's start let's start off there. So when you're saying peel the onion back, you want to see a grown man cry. Okay. You get it. <laughs> um wow. So I am 46 years old. I have been running a version of my own company called Rockets Are Red for the last 20 years. Uh I got my MFA from the School of Visual Arts in New York. And I'm a trained designer. Like I like working with clients. I like working with a purpose. I have that wonderful nagging doubt that I am not interesting. And so nobody wants to see my deep personal thoughts displayed on canvas. So I love working with bands. I love working with clients. So when I was taking this screen uh, printing class at 
eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday in New York with art students. It was like me and the teacher and like that was it. And the teacher would go into the corner and basically fall asleep. And he would say, just print something and then I'll tell you how you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and so I just started reaching out to bands and doing uh, screen printed posters for them. Yeah. And then when I moved back to uh, DC, I got a wonderful job that uh, fired me four months later, the day before my wedding. That oh, was fun. No. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I just said at that point, like, screw it. I'm going to just do this full time and see if I can make a run at it. Now, in that 20 years, I've worked at other design firms. Uh, currently, I, I'm a senior designer at the National Institutes of Health. Uh, and so I can tell you about dealing with QAnon people versus dealing, <laughs> versus dealing with punkers. Um, you know, which one's worse? the q on people but um, <laughs> but yeah so i mean i've had a really varied career yeah um yeah so let's get it what else do you want to know no 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 no. so i so i got two more bullet points in there um uh, i got a whole lot of questions i got a whole lot a whole slew of questions you're you're very interesting and also good on you sir i did not get, get 46 i did not get 46 oh really did you do i look older or younger younger okay good yeah yeah, yeah. I don't. How, how do I look? How old do I look? See, like that's a trick question now. Yeah, black so don't crack. Gonna, I know. <laughs> I'm gonna go with you. Look like a distinguished, sophisticated 35. I'm 37. <laughs> All right. See, yeah, 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 I, I did pretty well. I did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you have that swagger to you. With you have that confidence that a, the 30s come with. When you know, when you hit the 40s, you have that you know, internal despair and like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> I'm literally, I'm literally arguing with Mike Ness from social distortion about <laughs> the type of tow truck we're using in a poster. And you're just like, I can't like, like what the fuck dude, what the fuck? <laughs> no one cares. It's a fucking tow truck. So, so, so with that, with that, that that's, that's, it's funny. So you, you, you mentioned, um, you know, working with punk bands and and, and working with um, what National Health blah, 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 blah. National Institutes of Health. So NIH. So, so all that stuff you know about COVID, yeah. I probably touched it. Well, my you day know, my, my day job is in uh, is in a public health place, so okay. we may, we yeah, may talk a little saw. bit. Yeah, you probably you probably hate me on some level. You just don't know it yet. So <laughs> like every. Every place I go, like, so I love to travel. So, like, when sure. I was at Seattle, mm -hmm. um, and I went into a bathroom, and there was, like, a poster I did about, like, COVID and, like, you know, wash your hands, you know, basically, like, don't be a dick stuff. Yeah. And, like, on it was, like, fuck this, you know, like, exclamation. <laughs> and my kids walked into the bathroom and looked at, the, looked at that, and they were, like, you designed that, Dad, right? <laughs> I was like, yep, sure did. <laughs> With the F bomb sure and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So So tell me about some of the 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 influences, the inspirations that kind of work themselves into your your work, your aesthetic, or what have you. Like um 
what sort of like art and design when you were like coming up and going into this sort of industry, we're well, going into this industry really like resonated with you. Like for instance, I really like pop art. So mm-hmm. if I ask him to design something like um, my, my business cards I have, it definitely has this local art and it has this sort oh, of, shit, you froze. It, it has that local, you know, has this, this art has this you local froze. artist and um, it has a, uh, this sort of like pop uh pop art sensibility attached to it so for you like what do you what did you grow up looking at what did you grow up that really like resonated with you that maybe finds itself into your your eye your aesthetic so i grew up in like a very small town i grew up in the town where mary had a little lamb was written and really? <laughs> yeah and like legitimately i had no neighbors um it was like farm country and so there was a biker bar next door and they had feral chickens that would attack my dog and and that was about the closest to neighbors i had so i would bike about 10 miles to the we only had one convenience store and i would bike there and it was so low rent they didn't have (laughs) x-men comics or uncanny x-men they only had classic x-men which even then those were like a year behind like everywhere else (laughs) so you know my dad would give me a few bucks every day during the summer you know i'd mow the three acres of lawn bike down there get a sandwich buy a comic book Mm -hmm. so comic books were like the thing that really got me into art sure that and um so my parents were baptists so we had like illustrated bibles and so of course revelations was like the coolest the coolest (laughs) thing ever and all of it was you know thick lines flat color because it's easy to print like that and that totally inspired all of me you know like everything that i still do to this day um you know, I used to read John Belair books mm-hmm. and Edward Gorey would do all the illustrations. And so, oh, I can do that. Like I have pens and I would do like pen and ink work. Yeah. Well, I would do like 18 by 24 pen and ink pieces. And to this day, I have like terrible tendonitis. You can't see it. I'm wearing like a huge arm elbow brace right now because i blew out my wrist i blew out my elbow because no one told me that when he did those he was doing up like four by six size yeah instead of like doing 18 by 24 so i like completely ruined my wrist doing all that but like that was what i had when i was really young it was like the sunday comics Mm -hmm. comic books you know, the Bible, and then like, you know, whatever else I could scrounge up. But when I got older and would start driving into Boston, I would go on Newberry Street where all the punks were. And you'd be like, oh, like photocopy machines. You can just photocopy stuff. And that's cool. You can rip up, you know, textbooks and use that. It was like this huge kind of swell of like diy culture and just kind of like 
You can do crappy cartoons. You can take old paintings and mess them up. You can do collages. You don't need to have fancy typefaces. You can do it yourself. You can do ransom note style. And that for me was like, oh, I'm kind of shitty as an artist, but I can at least do this. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which is kind of how it gets me through now where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I kind of suck, but, you know, I can at least fake it. <laughs> so tell, tell me about how you kind of develop and pick up like skills to add to your the, the way that you go about your work like obviously you're you're not a crappy artist you're you're you have to be you know you're doing good work or what have you and like i dig your work I, i've been on there i was exploring through the page I, yeah i do some internet stalking i'll put it and uh but tell me about some of the skills that that, that you pick up well you know off of your sort of like foundation um because i'll say like in, when i'm doing this i'm self-taught i've been doing this for like 14 years and you know, it's like I can use multiple different ways to get sound, whether it's through having a small little pocket recorder and doing some manipulation through editing, or I can use any of the really nice expensive software or even the freeware. And those are just different skills that I'm picking up and layering off of this sort of like idea of I can get sound with this and I can do something with it. So based on like your foundation and art design illustration, like what skills do you try to like add to it? Like as you go along, like what's, what's something that you've learned recently? Um, recently I've been learning how to use like halftone swatches, Okay. learning how to use like pre-made brushes and downloading them and really being able to like layer color. Yeah. So like when I first started, um, my first poster I ever designed was black ink, with a black varnish on top with no registration whatsoever. <laughs> and I think I kind of peaked at that first one. I really <laughs> nailed it. It was like two of my favorite bands of all time did a decent poster. I should have just stopped, you know, gone out on a thousand. <laughs> but like for years, it it was just how much space could I take up using just flat color because I I didn't know how to you know layer colors I didn't know how to mix them well so I could get more of a rainbow and so now it's like I'm doing a lot of like half toning I'm doing a lot of blends and things like that and i still think it relates to my earlier work but it's just kind of another little trick that i have mm. but honestly like like you were saying i think most of this stuff just comes by repetition and then after a while you go oh yeah this is how i do things now <laughs> yeah so, it, it's just i mean i was talking to somebody i'm i'm putting out a book right now and there's like it's only concert posters and there's like th at least 350 posters in there wow and the person was like oh well, you know what's the process like and did it, and i'm like you know the posters i did on day one aren't yeah. that much different than the posters i'm doing now this you know the technique is different but the spirit is still there but i do think 
like I'm not a trained illustrator. Like I'm a trained designer. And and I think probably in the last 10 years, I've really started to go from using clip art to drawing my own pieces. And with that, developing this idea of like doing the poster should be a story. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's one of the things I've really picked up is more concepting, talking about the work and really doing like individualized work for bands. Yeah. 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 That, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. Okay. So, so tell me about the, the cadence, like, because, you know, I'm a crazy person. I'm recording three to four interviews a day and living a dream. Uh, that's what I was t- describing earlier when we first started. I was like, eh, busy, good, but busy. Yeah. And, and having that with the day job or what have you, we're not all not at that spot where it's like, man, I'm doing my own thing. So, and because I want to be there, though. Uh, mm-hmm. So so tell me about, like, your cadence. Like, how often are you working? Like, I really want to know some of those sort of like rituals you know, i don't know if it's this book that was out there this creatives like what their rituals are and yeah. i remember like the whole andy warhol thing i'll get up and you know I'll have a couple eggs and then i'm gonna go here and then kind of mess around for a bit i might actually start working at like 9 p.m for like an hour that's my work for the day what is what does your kind of like cadence look like what does a typical day look like for you when it comes to your work i am <coughs> Excuse me. I still have that wonderful COVID cough. Oh, no. Uh, I am actually fairly rigid on what my day looks like. Um, It has taken me about 20 years to figure out how I work best. Um, So I get up early. Like, I'm up, you know, 6 o'clock. Kids are taken care of and out the door. I am downstairs working usually by 6.30, 7.30 latest. Uh, I take medication for ADHD, which I've only started doing in the last year. And it's fucking amazing <laughs> how much more work I can get done now. Um, but legitimately, I do all of my work between 7 and noon to two o'clock every day that said i'm thinking about work all the other times of the day yep so when i work with clients i say it'll take me about two weeks to get the concept once i get the concept it'll take me about a week to do it um and sometimes the concept takes longer and longer and longer So, like, I know how to work my machine. I know where all of my color libraries that I've developed over the years are, my library of textures, all of that. So I work really quickly now. But it's the coming up with, like, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And it's hard to explain to people. Like, you know, you think about what you're saying about Andy Warhol he may be walking around the city all day and reading newspapers and books and having milkshakes, but he's thinking about work the entire time. 100%. And, you know, I read, I read this story once about, I believe it was like samurai calligraphers back like centuries ago. 
And there was like a, a, a documentary film about him. And it was just a, the guy staring at the canvas and staring and staring and staring and staring for what seemed like hours. And then he just picks up the brush, does a few flicks of the wrist, and there's like this beautiful piece. Right. So if you look at the time expenditure to actually do it, oh, it was 30 seconds. But it took 10 hours to figure out the five flips of the wrist yeah. to get it perfect. And I feel like that's how I am, you know, <laughs> or at least that's my my bullshit excuse when my boss goes, why do you keep looking out the window? Well, you know, <laughs> let me tell you about these samurai calligraphers. So. But, no, I, but I dig that, though, like, you know, one of the things that's like doing this sort of the, the, the conversation and having questions as a framework to try to, like, guide the storytelling piece here. I like to look at what I do is facilitating someone's story versus telling us I'm not telling your story, you're telling your own story, but I'm fac facilitating it through this sort of lens. Right. And I find that. You know, a lot of the things that go into me coming up with a question or coming up with a direction I want to take on it, it comes from me being exposed to different art books, being exposed to different audio books I'm listening to, listening to other podcasts, all of these different things that in and in, in including the research that I'm doing as well on the guest. And it's like there are multiple hours. I used to frame it this way. Uh, one of my buddies, and he's asking me, like, think about your work as a system. How many hours are you putting in to produce that finished podcast? And <laughs> I was like, it might be, you know, two to three hours, you know, that I'm putting in or what have you. And I'm just thinking like purely in like research. And that's not like really looking at how can I refine it, but still the questions because I want to be unique. I want to get one of the things that makes me feel really good when someone says, that's a good question. It's like, you'll have an answer, do you? <laughs> or um, I've never been asked that before. And I'm just like, that's what I'm aiming for. I'm aiming to have that, that one that's like, no one's ever asked me that question. And I'm literally asking it not to do a gotcha sort of thing, but really to get underneath of. I really want to get into the nitty gritty as to why someone creates the way that they do what goes into it. And it's because it's, it's something interesting there that I think listeners and myself, obviously, you know, having that curiosity, but I think listeners can get out of it as well. Like, damn, so this is how Jeffrey creates. This is how he's doing his work or what have you. And maybe it inspires, but also gives somebody a little juice, gives somebody a little right. juice to maybe take their approach in a certain way. And um, well, what, yell at people about tow trucks. <laughs> and what? <laughs> oh, yeah. I tell so many stories, I forget them. But, like, I can tell, like, I've done podcasts where the person I'm speaking to clearly has never looked at my work before. <laughs> yeah. And will kind of be like, yeah, oh, you did work for REI. Oh, you did work for this. And I'm just like, you've never looked at my work. Because, like, the REI <laughs> thing is nice, but it's not representative of of what I do. So you're literally on my website right now. Like, oh. Like, <laughs> like click, click in the illustration thing. And, you know, to with that, you're on a website I haven't updated in, like, three years. I noticed that, by know? the way. I was like, what is this? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm like, like, trying to update it now, and I'm just like... Yeah. <laughs> do do people like do people use websites? Don't they just go to their social media these days? You know, I'm old. <laughs> like, I don't go to people's websites anymore. The worst is when you go to someone's website 
and they have like the news or the blog, and that is the social clearly, media. Clearly, clearly hasn't been updated for like a year and a half. And you're like, dude, just take it down. Just take it down. It's like it's that. It's like that bit in like The Simpsons. It's like, ah, trouble in Missouri. It's like, <laughs> oh, we had this weird cough. It's like, what date is? Oh, 2019. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're you're working in a nice cross section as we we talked about. You've worked with folks in entertainment. We we were talking about off mic about you know doing some work for wrestlers, and you've done work for musicians, you know, corporate and nonprofit, and and, and things of the sort. How do they compare? Um, like, you know, is a corporate client for for sake of argument more in generalities, obviously, but is a corporate client more rigid than an entertainment client or a nonprofit client? Um, you know, does one have a better eye or is one more brand conscious? Make sure you get those colors right. You know, tell me about that. I I had a friend pull me into a job and it was a big one, mm-hmm. huge budget. They paid me like a stupid amount of money, <laughs> but it was very, you have to use the brand colors. Mm-hmm. We, we need this in a week. We need, and then they would keep, adding stuff to the project and i'd be like yo like you need this in a week like you're you're not you're not understanding how much work this is or what you're asking of me and at the end of the day when when you work with certain like larger companies they really do miss all of the details Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily get the story or get the passion or, you know, get the feelings behind what you're trying to do. It's kind of like, all right, we've all seen American Psycho and we all know the business card scene, right? Yes. And, and how everyone's like, ooh, oh, bone. Like bone. <laughs> It's off-white vermilion, you know, whatever. <laughs> the thing that always made me laugh was that on every card, the word acquisition is spelled incorrectly. And that's how it feels when I work with a lot of, like, corporate clients. You really care about certain things, mm-hmm. but you don't always care about the most obvious things. You know, like, so when I did this big project, my friend sent me pictures and he was like, isn't this really cool? And I was like, no, <laughs> like it, it wasn't. Like, I'm really glad that I did this. The paycheck was great. It was fun working with my friend. But I was like, I'm never going to show this to anybody. <laughs> you know, like my name's not on it. I don't want people to see it. They spent a tremendous amount of money to have it be up for like three days. And then it disappeared. And I just was like, yeah, that, that works. That's cool. fantastic (laughs) yeah the check cashed but then like i'll i will work with bands and you know i'll work with some bands where it's like cool you're one of like 80 posters that we're doing on this tour Mm -hmm. just just do whatever you want we don't care um the band name will sell it right and that's and that's discouraging. But then we'll do the post like 
you know, they'll do like the online sale after the tour mm-hmm. and mine won't be a part of it. And I'll be like, yo, like what happened? Why aren't my posters up? And they'll be like, oh, they sold out that night. And, uh, and part of me, you know, goes, yeah, because I didn't just throw a, a skull on top of an ice cream cone <laughs> and that's supposed to represent emo music, you know, or that's supposed to represent you know, how my heart got broken. Like I, I really, you know, will work hard for my clients in tr- like what you're saying. Like I will try to understand my client, yeah. not only what the band wants, but I think what's more, more frustrating, what do, what do the fans want? And then trying to make those two things work because they don't always work together, you know? Yeah. Um, you're, you're having to convince a manager and a merch manager and someone working the, you know, the table, the lead singer, the bitter drummer, um, <laughs> all of them to why this will work. And everyone can go, yeah, skulls are cool. Or, you know, for the long time, <laughs> the longest time it was, you know, just throw a hot girl with tattoos on there. The poster will sell. And that definitely worked for a long time for me. But after a while, you're just like, how many times can I do this? And then not just come off like a scumbag. (laughs) So, You know, I I think for me, working with small bands are actually the toughest. Mm -hmm. Because for them, this is like the encapsulation of like a year of work for them. Sure. And the money that they're paying me, even if I give them a deal, is like a lot of money to them. And so I always do like the, I'm going to show you a rough sketch. It's basically going to be a stick figure. I'm going to do it. You get two rounds of edits, small edits, and then that's it. And it'll always be... Well, we showed this to our 15 friends. Here's the edits they want you to make. Can we completely re- you know, redesign it? Can we make the name bigger? Can we do this and this and this and this and this? And I always kind of go, you know, you came to me for a reason. Just just trust me. Yeah. But that, that never happens. Um, I worked with one guy, and all it was was a picture of a woman, not naked, <laughs> and I had to change the face eight times. Wow. Because first it was she was too pretty, and then it was, you know, not pretty enough. And then it was uh even though we're using like a alternate color, does it look too ethnic does it not look ethnic enough should we put glasses on her it looks too much like hillary clinton you know (laughs) so yeah we did like 10 i did like 10 faces to get like the i don't know the most generic pretty but not too pretty (laughs) ethnic but not too ethnic (laughs) yeah it's like oh come on so yeah it just turns into american food you know yeah, just, <laughs> just put mayonnaise on everything. Just uh, nice and bland. So yeah, did that answer your question? No, it, it did. 
No, it I get lost in my rambling. No, 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 no. That 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 definitely helps. Gives us that uh, that sort of what is what does that experience look like? Um, and, and working with clients, and that's what I was looking for there. So, what is like? So, I got two more real questions for you, and before I hit those rapid fire ones with you, compared to fake questions, yes, yes, fake okay. questions. So, the rapid fire ones are just goofy questions. So, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, so. W- what would you how would you define success like you know for for you like you know is it you know like kind of booking that huge client or what have you a band that you're really into or doing a project that you're like you know the paycheck is a certain thing or being very selective about who you decide to like work with or you know and and with that what has been a highlight for you in your career like you know you you touched on a few things i think before we started um but you know tell me about that like how is success defined for you and and what is the highlight of your career thus far Success for me is knowing that I still want to do what I want to do after 25 years of having other people tell me I suck. Um, I still love to come down to my studio. I still love sending stuff out to print. I still love having people in Japan and Australia and Germany, the UK, South America, um, Idaho and Ohio and all those places buy my shit. That's that blows my mind that someone's willing to spend $45 plus $15 to ship it for a piece of paper with ink on it. Like <laughs> it blows my mind. That to me is success. I, I really feel like longevity in a in what I'm doing is like the pinnacle. Like you know, still doing something new and not riding off of the accomplishments of when I was young. Does that make sense? It does. Like I don't have glory days. You know, like <clears throat> I, I'm sure you're a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Um <laughs> and <laughs> so he has that song Glory Days. Yeah. And I, I I could lecture on this for an hour and a half, but the the if you listen to the song, he's always talking to other people and they're talking about their glory days. And Bruce will kind of like go, oh yeah, we talked about this and we talked about that, but he never says that he's in hit. You know, he has glory days. Why? Because he's Bruce fucking Springsteen, right? And he's still riding that crest. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the dude's going on tour, doing sold out shows for ridiculous amounts of money and selling out arenas. So he's not looking back, going, oh, wasn't it better way back then? Yeah. No, because he's still fucking doing it. And that's kind of how I feel like I, I, I'm not playing arenas. I'm not in huge books. I'm doing wonderful podcasts such as this. Cheers. And that and that, you know, makes me happy. Yeah. And I have yet to go. It was really cool when I did X, Y, Z, because I'm really excited for my next gallery show. I'm excited to be doing a book tour. I'm excited that I'm putting out a book. I'm excited I already have another book planned after that. 
Now, granted, I also fully am aware I'm picking up $30,000 of my saved money and throwing it out the window, you know, printing a book in Italy that like three people that I'm related to will probably buy. But, you know, fuck it. You know, how many people put out books? This is true. This is true. Yeah. Well, like I had I had a friend and she was going through a divorce and she was like, hey, like, what are you doing today? And And I was like, oh, I'm doing a podcast. You know, I'm getting printer quotes for my book. You know, I just I'm doing some work for social distortion. Like we I we just did like a four poster series. I have a gallery. Like I'm just kind of listening to all this shit. And she just goes, Man, you make it sound so normal. And I was like, Well, you know, like this is just my life. <laughs> and she goes, Yeah, like my husband never did any of that stuff, you know? And you know, like not many people go on podcasts. The fact that you have a podcast that, you know, granted, I'm the low point in it. <laughs> Absolutely but like, <laughs> you know, like fucking James Spooner was on it. He's like, <laughs> he's so fucking rad. So like, you know, people, I think, think of success as working for these really huge bands. And it's like, you know, I, I have worked for really huge bands. They don't pay that much money. You know, you get to go, I worked with this band that, you know, did Wembley Stadium. I've I've done posters for bands that have sold out Wembley Stadium. Right. And they were and they were dicks, you know. (laughs) And their manager, their manager made it so I had a nervous breakdown because they were so shitty. And then I've worked with bands that haven't sold out the club, and it's not a big club. And and those are my favorite posters. Yeah. So now I dig it. I dig it. There there are instances in in doing this when we we peel back that curtain, you know, about what it is to to work with clients or in my instance guests and so on. And you know, some of the things that that I hear, I, I get weird things uh, that feel like you know personal attacks that people have no problem sending to me an email, and if I wasn't you know, who I am and believe like, well, that happened behind the scenes. I'm not going to put it out there. It could cost them some real issues and, you know, yeah. people taking really weird personal attacks with no information really of like, you know, if you have to reschedule for sake of argument, we're still in the midst of COVID, you know what I mean? And yeah. anything could happen. Well, you know, I don't really do reschedules. It's like, okay, cool. Or asking for an obscene amount of money for an honorarium you know, to, to be on here. And it's like, I don't know if that's the, the case. Like going to your, your thing when you said James Spooner, I had him on and we just chopped it up and we, he was like, yeah, let's do it. Versus yeah. someone who is more emergent and trying to develop and kind of, you know, hey, if you want me to be on here, you know, you got to pay me $400 for a 30 minute interview. And those are, those are things that are there. And at the same time, I'll have friends and, you know, I've been pretty much riding this wave of interviews, you know, for months at this point. And I'm, and I'm still just like, I'm, I get satisfied in peaks, but really it's just like, this is normal, you know, kind of what you were touching on. And I'll talk with my buddy and it's like, man, I'm mid because I'm trying to move to whatever the next thing is not move away Mm -hmm. from this, but actually do this in a richer way. And I almost feel like I should always hear yes. 
And when I don't get that, because I know what work I'm putting in, I know the quality of the content and so on. And I know the guests that I say yes to when people reach out, I'm like, no, no, I'm picking good guests. I'm having good conversations with people. How can I get that trust to take this to that next spot? And, you know, feeling fortunate enough that I'm in a spot where I can just, you know, at least have the possibility of, I want to do a calendar. I want to do a book. I want to have, and this you, you may find this interesting. Um, at one point, this is kind of like the rap because I got some, the rapid fire questions after this. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I remember I was talking with a guest, and I do these live podcasts. I want to do like the band poster, but from the the locations that I want to, like you had to have been there to get this poster, not being sold anywhere else, having that sort of exclusive experience, sort of creation, and. I remember when I was a little while back, I'd have an idea like that. Someone would tell me it was stupid. Now it's just like, no, that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. I was like, I know. But like, these are the same types of ideas I'm having. Well, and there's, I mean, bring it back to wrestling. I mean, Paul Heyman said about ECW, you're going to put stuff out there and you'll either turn people on or you'll turn people off. Yep. And the idea is to turn more people on. I have been told that what I do is not legitimate design. That I have tried to go on some podcasts, like the big design podcasts, and and been told straight up, you're not a real designer. Hmm. And then I turn around and go, hey, motherfucker, how many people have your work tattooed on them? zero yeah how many people have your work for pepsi cola framed it on their wall right you know how many people have taken your work into a you know uh, you know into a mosh pit swung it around like a baseball bat (laughs) literally have blood on it and then they get it framed you know in like a really expensive frame you know the problem with like social media and everything is that there's always comparisons Mm -hmm. and you know i went and saw a band play a sold out show at the anthem a couple weeks ago and i went and watched them as it it, um i'm not gonna say what the band was but it was like a reunion kind of show and i remember sitting there in my vip seats and i remember looking at this band going this is like meeting that girl that you had a crush on in high school (laughs) 10 years later and you're like what the fuck like why did i ever (laughs) like this person you know like she's not as cute she's definitely not as smart she's certainly not funny what did i ever what did i ever like about this person and then like a week later um girls against boys played the black cat and I was pumped because I did posters for the show. Yeah. Okay. And they're my favorite band. Rockets Are Red are named after one of their songs. Yeah. Because when I was 20 years old, walking through DC with my girlfriend, who then became my wife, she goes, Hey, do you ever want to open a design firm? And I said, Yeah. What would you name it? And I we were coming from a Girls Against Boys show. And I said, Rockets Are Red. So I saw Girls Against Boys play to, I don't know, three quarters of the of the venue was full. 
and they fucking slayed. You know, Eli, Janie, all of them are in their 50s, and they are jumping around stage, swinging the double basses, <laughs> the guitar players going off, the drummer's amazing. You know, and I just was like, I haven't seen them play in years, and they destroyed that band I saw last week, right. who are all maybe in their late 30s, early 40s, who didn't take a step on stage. But like Eli Janie is like ripping it up, you know? So it's like, yeah, sometimes you don't have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, but you know, I have friends who have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram who can't pay the rent. You know, I have just over 9,000 followers and I go, as long as 50 people are willing to buy a print, I'm doing pretty well. That's all I need. That's literally the thing. It's like that the 1,000 true fans thing or whatever that number might be. And, you know, getting people to buy in, that's really cultivating and curating an audience. And, you know, those are the people that, you know, actually the people that you're you're speaking to and they're going to ride with you with whatever you're doing. And I think that's, um, I think that's an indication of success and also, that's that's where we're going to stop at before we get to these rapid fire questions. Because Jeff does not shut the fuck up, and he no. takes too long. This is a thirty minute podcast. No, Jeff has been great. Jeff has been great. Uh, um, so now the now here brevity is key here. Though, all right. Uh, here's the first question: What is something you wish someone told you when you first started out? Never show the sketch that you're not one hundred percent jazzed about doing. Because that's the fucking sketch that the client will pick. That's great. You mentioned traveling earlier. What is your favorite place you've traveled in the last, let's say, five years? Uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. They had vegan donuts on, like, every corner. Yeah. And they have really good music venues there. Cue the FTR theme. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. How would you just would okay? What's in in terms of a through line? What would be three words you would use to describe your um your style of art? Oh god, I know, I I know. Um, fuck, you know me. I don't say anything briefly. Um, I would say bold. I would say colorful, emotional. Okay, I don't fucking know. No, no, no. Those are good. Those are good. My, my kids would say it sucks. So they would just be like, it sucks, exclamation point. <laughs> um, no, this, this one is, this, see, these last two, I think they're going to they're gonna catch you. Uh, if you could be one fictional character, who would it be? One fictional character? Yeah. Um, oh, motherfucker, you should have sent these to me earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I am um, a fictional character. That would be amazing. You know what? I'm going to say Captain America. Okay. I, I, I either Captain America or Spider Man. Now Captain America, because he's you know he's on that government money. So I'm going to I'm going to say him. I got a, a I, I have a firm. I'm going to tell you why. So I worked with Fred Rogers. Okay. You know, Mister Rogers. And, you know, Captain America is Steve Rogers. So, like, my religion is called the Two Rogers. And it and it works really well. 
So yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Captain America. I'm here for it. So this is the last question I got for you. We, we talked about wrestling before and a little bit in, in, in the actual podcast. So I must ask, who's your favorite '90s wrestler? Oh, okay. Um, so I didn't get into wrestling until the 2000s. Favorite 2000s wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll um. It's going to be a two-parter because they were a tag team. Okay. Sabu and Rob Van Dam. My man. Because when I lived in New York and I would go to Kim's Mondo to get videos, and the guy was like, dude, you need to check out ECW. I got that tape and I saw them doing splashes through tables. And I went, I have like... What the fuck is this? <laughs> and that renewed my love of wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it goes right back to it. I mean, ECW went out of business, but it still means so much to people. And like, I think that's the legacy that you want to have. Yeah. Yeah. When I, um, when I go up there to Philly, um, I've gone to see more the, the most wrestling shows that I've gone to see, and I've probably seen like less than 10 wrestling shows in person. Um, I've seen probably four in South Philly at the old ECW arena and maybe three. Um, and, the, and all three of them were New Japan pro wrestling events. But in uh, Cali, when they've come here for like Long Beach and things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, like it's definitely a part of it. And then seeing some of the seeing that is like almost a lost era in some regards where we're, we're not getting that crazy on occasion you get like, you know, some GCW and they get into the blood and gut sorts of matches or as they call it, uh, uh, garbage matches. But yeah, I mean, those like Rob Van Dam and, and Sabu, absolutely 100%. And Rob needs to really cut his hair because it is thinning in the back. That shelf. It's getting sad. Like, I mean, like I have long hair that I tie back, but I'm not, I'm not bald. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have like the weird, like he does like the shaved, but yeah. he doesn't go all the way up. He kind of does like, yeah, it's just. It's, it's what Shawn Michaels had going on. <laughs> I love Rob, but man, come on, get with the times. All right. Get with the times. <laughs> now, have you seen Sabu? He's not looking great. No, it's not good. He, he's one of those people where you're just like, like, what do you do next? You know what I mean? Like, and it's like what I know with like punk bands, it's like you are famous <laughs> to a certain amount of people. <laughs> but like, what do you do afterwards? You they're, know, like they're all carnies. <laughs> there are, but like, okay, so I don't know if this is true or not, but like I read how Tito Santana opened like a hair salon when he retired. Yeah. And like I really respect the hell out of that yeah. of just like, I need to make money. I'm going to cut hair of old women, you know, because it's this notion of going out there and saying, oh, I'm just going to sign autographs and toys and such. And it's like you can do that. But what is your actual day job? Like, I think Scott Steiner has like a Zaxby's or something in Atlanta. And I think Rick Steiner was like a politician or something. It's like, yeah. OK, you actually did a thing. Yeah. Well, and like, who is it? Shane Douglas <laughs> either worked at or still works at Target. You know, like, can you imagine going there and being like, hey, where's the stationery? Or like, 
how do like can you can you show me the fluffiest sheets you know like it's weird like when you meet people that you absolutely love uh-huh. in like really pedestrian settings and like that has happened to me like <laughs> there's a band i love called restorations they're from philly mm-hmm. and i went to like get breakfast at this diner called the tasty and he was working there <laughs> it was just one of those things of like i don't know if i say anything i feel really weird like do i make ex- like can i tell him to take the sour cream off like i don't know what to do because this guy's amazing <laughs> you know so 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 um i want to um wrap up here and um thank you for being on the podcast this has been a treat it's been been great to chat with you and um i want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks the listeners where they can check you out your work your website all of that good stuff the floor is yours all right so my main website is rockets are red so that's rockets hyphen a-r-e hyphen red.com uh, my book is coming out Hopefully in January, we're doing the Kickstarter for that. And that's letitbleed.com. So it's let hyphen it hyphen bleed.com. Cause I like to make everything as difficult as possible. Um, all the good dot coms have been bought. Um, you can find me on Instagram at rocket to red, no hyphen. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Um, I, you know, shoot me emails, shoot me DMs, nothing that's going to make me say, put some clothing on. And uh, yeah, that happens more than you think. <laughs> I get a lot of like, could you put me on a poster? And I'm like, I, no, no, <laughs> no. I want to. So- I want to talk to you about some stuff going on in your life. Why are you doing this to an old man? <laughs> Let's talk boundaries. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so with that, again, thank you for being on this podcast. And I'm going to say that for uh, Jeffrey Everett, I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art, culture, design, illustration in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>